0: For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you to join us here this morning as we do week by week, and we trust that you are here in our midst. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please sit. In church circles, especially in clergy circles, uh, the Sunday after Christmas is often referred to as a low Sunday. That is, attendance is expected to be low. In my years as an associate rector, the Sunday after Christmas was always one of the Sundays that I knew I would be guaranteed to be assigned to preach. This Sunday, the Sunday after Easter, and the Sunday after Derby— these, these are the low Sundays, the holy trinity of associate rectorhood. All the pomp and circumstance is over, all the visiting families have gone home, and even a lot of the regular families are going to take the opportunity to sleep in. Let's let Nick preach. What a letdown. I needed more laughter after what a letdown, or I'm going to take it personally. But you know, it doesn't actually take me until the Sunday after Christmas to feel a bit let down. It usually starts setting in about the time the last present gets opened, which in my house means about dawn. <laughs> we definitely had some letdown going on in our house on Wednesday with the differences between what was on Christmas lists and what was actually under the Christmas tree. And even if you actually got everything you ever wanted... It's about 3 o'clock on Christmas afternoon when you realize that life is just going to keep going on, right? Maybe you have a new book or a movie to look forward to, but eventually that's just going to get folded into your collection. Christmas is over. Now what? That's actually the question that I want to talk about this morning, the now what question. Jesus has come. It's the Sunday after Christmas. Now what? Well, life just keeps on going, doesn't it? You'll, you'll no doubt have noticed that my promise of a four-week Advent sermon series has gotten extended by a couple of weeks. We did four Advent sermons on Isaiah, but then I preached from a text from Isaiah on Christmas Eve, too. And now I've got another one for you today. Isaiah just keeps coming up with great things. But before we get to today's reading, I want to reset the stage a little bit because where we are now will be a little easier to understand if we remember how we got here. So Isaiah, recall, has been given a vision about what the new heavens and new earth will be like because of the coming of the Messiah. And he's been sort of rehearsing this idea over and over throughout the whole book. We skipped around through Advent and Christmas to all these different places, always getting a similar vision. Because of the coming of the Messiah, because of the arrival of Jesus Christ, we have a beautiful promised future to look forward to. The new heavens and new earth are going to be amazing. No war, no hunger, No thirst, no tears. But it forces you to ask the question, I think, what about this earth? What about this life? What will it be like? We've heard over and over about what the redeemed world will be like. But what about the world that you and I actually have to live in? That we have to wake up the day after Christmas in? Do we have any hope for the here and now? And I think Isaiah, in our reading this morning, addresses this question. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, he says. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest. Until her vindication shines out like the dawn. And her salvation like a burning torch. We are clothed in the garments of salvation because of Christmas. We are covered with the robe of righteousness because of what happened at Christmas. Jesus, our Savior, coming into the world. But then something amazing is still going to happen. And it starts happening in the here and now. As the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is, what is in it, what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. Righteousness, which is goodness, holiness, and praise, will start sprouting up like plants all over the world. The people who have been declared righteous will actually start participating in righteousness. In other words, good things will start coming out of the people who have been declared good. Christmas has come, and now new life begins. And the gospel is what makes it all happen. If you've attended the exploration class, and if you haven't yet, I hope you will. It starts on January 26th, a little plug there for you. But if you have attended it already, you'll know that one of the sessions is called, What is the Gospel? And in that class, I claim that the popular phrase that you may have heard, to live out the gospel, is a nonsensical one. Because gospel means good news. You can't live out the news, but you can live in light of the news. The news will, by definition, affect the way you live. The life you live isn't itself the news, but it is, in many ways, a result of the news. You see a news story about deplorable health code violations at your favorite restaurant. So you don't eat there anymore. You see another news story about a charity that's doing wonderful work in East Africa. So, you send them some money. You're not living out the news, but you are living in light of it. So, while it may be nonsensical to live out the gospel, living in light of it is anything but. You can live in light of the gospel. You can live in light of the fact that Jesus has come. In fact, you have to. He has come, and you are still alive. There is no other way to live other than in the light of the good news that Jesus Christ has come. And this living in light of the gospel is what Isaiah is talking about here. The Lord God, he says, will cause righteousness and praise to spring up Before all the nations for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent and for Jerusalem's sake. I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. Do you follow the progression here? The righteousness comes as a result of the good news. God has clothed us with the garments of salvation, covered us with a robe of righteousness as A bridegroom decks himself with a garland as a bride wears her jewelry. These things he has done on account of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Because of the good news, we are covered with Christ's righteousness. Your sin given to Jesus on the cross. His goodness given to you. You are now outfitted with this robe of righteousness. A robe that you did not do anything to earn, are not doing anything to earn, and could never do anything to earn. But you are still alive. So now what? I will not rest, says Isaiah. I will not be silent. I will live in light of the gospel. And why? For whom? For Zion's sake, for Jerusalem's sake, for the sake of the nations, until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. Martin Luther, the Great reformer and history's most dogged defender of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, said that while God does not need your good works, your neighbor does. Zion needs them. Jerusalem needs them. Louisville needs them. Your neighborhood needs them. Your family needs them. The reason that God doesn't need your good works is that God is creating your good works. He is the giver of good works. For as the earth brings forth its shoots and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. In the prayer That we pray at the end of every service. We humbly ask the Lord to assist us with his grace. That we may continue in that holy fellowship. And do all the good works that he has prepared for us to walk in. God, we say, we have heard your good news. You have saved us by your grace. In Christ alone, keep that grace coming. Give us the grace we need now to live in light of that good news. Help us love our neighbor. Help us honor our father and mother. Help us turn the other cheek. Help us love our spouses and raise our children to know you. Help us to exhibit the fruit of the spirit and mortify the works of the flesh. And so we pray and pray and pray again, and we search the scriptures for admonition, for advice, for help, for encouragement, and most importantly, for a reminder of what's already been accomplished for us, that when we fall or struggle or fail, we have a sufficient advocate in God's son. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And God has promised to keep his grace coming. For as the earth brings forth its shoots and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. This is the fruit of of the gospel. Actual good in this life here and now is God's promise to you. The fertile soil in which this good fruit of the spirit can grow is the one-way love of God to you in Christ. On account of Jesus, you have been clothed with the garments of salvation and covered with the robe Of righteousness. And now, together, we bear that fruit, thanking God for the ongoing life we lead in light of his finished work for us. Amen.